0: Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show, Shark Tank, and you're listening to The Underdog Podcast.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Underdog Podcast. Today, I have an amazing guest here with me. Oh, my goodness. So honored to have you, my friend, Levi Lasic Like you said it to me before this, <laughs> classic without the C. So here we
0: are, my friend. That's Welcome. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Pam. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, my God. It's such a pleasure to have you here, honestly, on the show. And, like, it's just been a blast. Like, I was telling you earlier and, like, right when I met you, I saw you on that stage at Build 22, and I was just flooring, man. I'm like, I need to meet this guy. I need to hear his story and like, everything he's about because I just love him. So I'm just honored. Thank you so much. Thank so, you. So, so much. I can't wait to because we saw little bits and pieces of your story kind of when you were talking at Build, and I like, just can't wait for you to share it with everybody. But the question I like to ask and start off with is what inspired you on your journey to where you are today?
0: Uh, well, how far back do we go? However <laughs> or- far you want to go. I mean, if you're talking about current time, which is the reason that uh, we spoke at Build, was because of our YouTube journey. Yeah. What inspired that was uh, my previous business went to zero during pandemic during the mm. during 2020, and so that's what inspired it. Actually, uh, when that happened, I you know I had to take a step back and look at my life because I was 41 years old and wow. just everything went to zero again, and so I was asking myself, well. How do I start over without starting over? Where did I go wrong in my life to be 41 years old? And then all of a sudden, you know, Mm. I'm just back to zero again is what I felt like. Because I've been to zero a couple of times in my life before. Mm. And I just had to look at that and say, okay, do I give up? Or do I move forward? Because I was at a point where mm. financially I was okay. I could actually go live on a small Caribbean island for, uh, you know, <laughs> very next to nothing and, pr- and eat tacos and, you know, drink beer you're and like, probably be okay with it, You're right? like,
1: I'm going to Bali. See y'all.
0: <laughs> well, I'm actually... I'm, I'm, I'm actually more of a Belize guy, so ah, I, yeah, <laughs> I love Belize, and so I. These are the things I never talk about this on on stage or during webinars or guest appearances, you could say, because there's usually a very limited time. So it was right. one of those things where I seriously sat there and I thought, "Is this it?" I, I felt like I'd been working my tail off for the last twenty years. And then to be at square one again, Mm. I thought, okay, do I just give up and literally go eat tacos and drink beer on the beach somewhere? Because I could make it off of, you know, very, very small income that I had built up and probably drag it out. And then I'd probably open my own taco stand down there just to (laughs) supplement the bills or something like that. And I seriously pondered that. And then I thought, well am I giving up too soon? And I truly believe with the advances in health and technology that I I believe I have a true opportunity to live at least till 120. Mm. So I had to stop there and say, also, wait, I'm only at a third of my life. I still got two thirds of my life to go. And am I giving up way too early? And so that was kind of like the second spark or the inspiration to say, no, don't give up. Don't move to Caribbean Island and be a (laughs) beach bum. Because that probably would have only lasted a week anyways, because I'm, I'm a worker. I mean, that's, it's just ingrained in me. Even since I was a kid, I just said, okay, well, I got to get back to the drawing board, went back to the drawing board and I spent, and we can go back further if you want, but this is just what happened uh, currently is I spent more money than I've ever spent in my life. I spent actually several hundred thousand dollars investing in things, courses, stores, and other things over the summer because, first of all, I wasn't going to go back and get a job. Mm. Uh, but what a lot of people don't know and is that I invested over 150000 into two Amazon stores. Wow. So I came, across, I came across this opportunity where this team that I knew were successful on Amazon and mm-hmm. had built very successful Amazon stores were offering a done-for-you program and uh, they were like, we're just need the investors. We'll handle all the logistics, all the back end. You don't worry about a thing, yeah. just fund it. And, you know, they gave us projections and spreadsheets and everything looked completely legit. Plus, I I knew who they were, at least online. So it was one of those things where I was like, okay, this is something I could see myself doing because, and they also said this is a two-year play. So I knew it wasn't going to be immediate immediate. returns. Mm -hmm. It was going to be a buildup of, you know, selling products, investing that money back into the store. and you reach that compound effect. And so the first store I bought into cost me, uh, yeah, around $80,000, $90,000 because it was a $40,000 buy-in, like Mm. just to get in. And then I bought, you know, about $50,000 worth of inventory. Inventory. The first three months started to really kind of, it started to do well. Now it was, it went from like 5,000 in sales the first month to seven to 15,000. And so I thought, I thought well this is going to go really well and then this that was a wholesale store so I thought well I'm going to invest into a private label store because they came out with that option they're like look wholesaling is great on Amazon but when you private label actually source products from China put mm-hmm. your own brand on it buy it yeah. for a dollar sell it for 25 that type of thing that's right. where the big money was in so I I bought into four different products uh, just because I wanted to hedge my bets. Right. I didn't want to just buy into one product. And if that product didn't work out, I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to buy into four products, private label four products. So that cost me another 75, $80,000 to do that. So I was all in and they didn't accept no credit cards. So it was all cash. They were like, we're only taking cash. So I put in all that cash. Then I I knew that wasn't an immediate play. So then I started looking at other options. I was like, well, I'm going to, I invested into this $17,000 mastermind. And then I started to buy a couple of courses. I bought a couple of marketing courses. I bought a wholesale course, you know, and I was sitting here actually looking at ways to not get into real estate as an agent, because my friend, Michael Reese was still on the side over here saying, Hey, now's a good time to get into real estate. You know, you need to come check this out. I'm telling you. And I was like, I don't want to be a real estate agent. I mean, that's not. And so I literally put in over 200,000 of my own cash during the summer of 2020 to figure out different ways to not become a real estate agent. (laughs) (laughs)
1: 200,000, just so that you wouldn't do this, huh?
0: Very expensive lesson. Uh, So what happened was is that, uh, you know, I got like you know, I got into the wholesaling course. Well, what did they start teaching you? They start teaching you, you know, pull all the tax, all the all the tax filings and the yeah. pre foreclosures. And guess what? You got to start cold calling and door knocking. And and that's when I hit the point, too, where I I said, you know what? I'm motivated, but I'm not that motivated. (laughs) I mean, I love the movie The Boiler Room, but I'm not 20 (laughs) years old anymore. I'm not really interested in calling a bunch of people to see if they'll sell me their house at a 50% discount. So I was kind of like, is there an automated way to do wholesaling? I didn't really find anything at the time, so I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to do that. Plus, I've always like investing more than just being an agent. So the other courses I bought into were just uh, some marketing things, some click funnel stuff, uh, you know, how to do this and that and I developed all that. Anyways, just went through all this mess and so at the end of it I just said, "Well, I didn't see a path out of that and I thought the Amazon stores were definitely going to be 2 years later, so I thought, well, maybe I do become an agent." <laughs> and so, but I still didn't want to do that other stuff, so I had to stop and say, "Okay, wait a second. If I'm going to become an agent, is there a way to attract business? Can I bring it to me? Is there a way to actually do that? Break into the market, compete in mm-hmm. Dallas, Texas, one of the most competitive markets with the highest yep. volume of agents and some of the biggest brands out there. It's yeah. like, how am I going to do that? Where is the gap? So then I started mm-hmm. to see where is the gap? Where can I find an opportunity? And if I wanted to attract business, I figured, well, it's got to be social media, right? That's how you Mm -hmm. attract business. But everybody was talking about Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, especially in 2020, you know, TikTok, every real estate agent was waking up to 10,000 TikTok followers, right? They'd be like, I went to bed overnight and I woke up to 10,000 followers. So you got to be on TikTok. And I was like, well, how much business is really coming out of that? Well, I haven't, you know, I haven't got too much business or no business. And I was like, okay, well... I didn't necessarily want to be a dancing real estate agent on or, TikTok or, the, or <laughs> the ripped realtor like Travis was
1: saying. He was like, I, "He's like, man, I wish I could do that." Is that but what he's going like, for now? Yeah, that's what he's going for. <laughs> the
0: well, he's got some work to do. <laughs>
1: yeah. He's like, "Yeah, man." He's like, "These TikTokers and ripped realtors yeah. and all that stuff." I was dying, but like, it's just so funny what you see yeah. on TikTok now. Some people are monetizing, and some people just are not, right? Yeah. It's so new. It's like, how do you even? Yeah right? It cracks me up. I love TikTok. It's hilarious. Like the stuff I find, I'm like, how do you guys come up with this? (laughs) Oh, I know. Extremely
0: creative people out there, right? (laughs) I I love it. I I mean, they do some funny stuff.
1: No, I die. I'm like, I'm like, I have to literally warn myself before bed. Do not click the button. Otherwise you're going to go down a rabbit hole. Like forget it, you know, but like all the channels, you know, have their own fun stuff like Instagram. I love the reels now. Those are super awesome too. It's kind of similar. Yep. To TikTok, but for you you found the niche in YouTube, which is super amazing. And I love that. Now were there exist was there existing competition here already before you started? Learning well, there's
0: a there's a couple of channels. I would okay. say there's about four dominant channels, but the top one had seven thousand subs, the number two had about five thousand, the number three like three thousand, and the number okay. four had about two thousand. So I looked at that and I was like, Well, first of all, four agents in Dallas on YouTube is not competition. But still, you got, somebody's got a 7,000 subscriber head start. I was like, okay, well, is there an opportunity there? What I noticed across all of them, they're all publishing one video a week. Mm-hmm. So that just told me right there, well, I can outwork them. And mm-hmm. if I ever want to catch them or pass them up, I'm going to have to outwork them. I'm going yeah. to have to double, triple the volume. So immediately, I don't like to just double. I, uh, again, I'm a worker. So I just said, you know what? If I can do three videos a week, uh, then there's probably opportunity yeah. there to have a better chance to catch them and here we are uh, actually about three months ago we passed up every single channel so within about 15 months and so now we're the top channel here with views and subscribers definitely in volume as far as i know uh, with the amount of business we've generated but that was three videos a week consistent on that over the last uh, 15 to 18 months
1: that's insane oh my god i have so many questions for you (laughs) before we dive into all that i want to peel the onion a little bit all right just a little bit does that mean you're gonna
0: make me cry no you (laughs) might
1: might i forgot onions make people cry right (laughs) (laughs) but question for you so what did you want to be when you grew up like as a kid what was your astronaut (laughs) oh man i didn't even have to finish the question that's amazing yep an astronaut Mm -hmm. what was your inspiration behind that
0: well, I'm an 80s baby. So, Ooh. you know, I mean, astronauts were so cool in the 80s. And uh, I played with all, I, Legos. I love Legos. Unless you stepped on them. Y- yeah, I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> so, Legos, space Legos in particular. I had mm. the Space Police and uh, just all they had, they started having, they come out with fluorescent visors and, you know, gl- I mean, it was so cool. And, uh, but the thing was, is that, I mean, we grew up extremely. Income limited. <laughs> mm. Let me say that. I don't want to say poor because uh, you know we we had everything we needed. Uh, three meals a day, clothes. Now mm. most of my clothes, being the third child, were hand me downs and uh, a lot of garage sales. We shopped at garage sales right. I, every Saturday. We'd go out, go uh, garage selling, and uh, that's where I always got my clothes. We never ever went to a department store and never went to the mall never ate out dinner, uh, except for Sundays after church, we would go to Mazio's pizza and we could get the pizza and I'd get $1 for video games. And, you know, it was a quarter a game, so I could play four four games and that was it. Like that, that was the budget. Now, the thing is it wasn't just income limited, I would say, although it didn't, you know, it didn't really feel like that. It was mindset limited and, you know, I don't mind talking about that. It's not a dig on my parents at all yeah, whatsoever because no, no, uh, we've had the yeah, yeah, we've had these discussions. They just grew up in a different mindset. They grew up in yeah. a money is scarce yeah. mindset. My parents too. Yeah.
1: It's the same thing. And it's not like, you know, and the hard part about that is that's how they were programmed. So it's very hard. Like unless you become that person that breaks that chain, it kind of will continue in your pattern in your generations yeah. forever. Yep. Right. It was the same thing with my parents. I even grew up with that. For me to break that programming myself took a lot. Yep. A lot. So I get it. I get it, man. Most of us. That's that's how it that's how it is. And then we get to be the ones that break that chain. Right. Yep. That's right. It.
0: That's it. That was it. So but not yeah, and, and also on top of that, they never they didn't encourage. I would say they never encouraged me to achieve more, so that was the other thing too. I grew up mm. in a very strict Christian environment, mm. and so it was it wasn't just money was the root of all evil, not the love of money, just money was the root of all evil, so mm. it was you know a different concept right? They felt like earning more than you needed was kind of sinful, sinful. but yeah. also you know going after a job or a position or a business that would you know, give you any type of notoriety or additional income or anything like that as well. It's almost, uh, I think they felt like they had to be the carpenter, you know, the, mm. the servant, the minimum wage earner to, to leave a good Christian life. And right. so, astronaut, there was never a, hey, here's a, here's Popular Mechanics magazine. Hey, let's, you know, help you out with mechanical, in- I don't know, you know, they, there was right. no encouragement to, I was like, I want to be an astronaut. they're like, cool. You know, it was just a, all Thumbs right. Up. You know, yeah, there was never it was never that. So so I don't think that, that that's where I started to develop. Also, they they were anti-college uh, growing mm. up. They didn't go to college. My two older brothers didn't. And they were it was literally uh, because my parents didn't college like they didn't even understand scholarships or financial aid or anything that so they just said. Well, yeah. we don't have the money to pay for your college, so you'll never go to college. And so mm. I never even thought of, oh, there's other options or exploring different avenues. Or, you know, it was just very like, hey, you're going to work minimum wage like we do. Yeah. And uh, that's it, you know. And then if you earn more, that's, that's kind of a bad thing. You know, it's not very Christian-like. So, so that was it. And so, you know, eventually the astronaut died off because I just never pursued it. And also, uh, as I started to get to junior high and high school... I started to develop the mentality of, well, I'm not going to college anyways. That's what I would say. I was like, well, I'm not going to college. So, what is, why does this matter? And why does that matter? And why does this matter? And so that worked, that lasted for about a year after high school while I mopped floors and stocked shelves. And then I realized, all right, you know what? (laughs) I'm not going to (laughs) play this game anymore. I got to get out of here. And that's why I joined the military, because mm. I didn't understand there could have been other ways to get money for college. And I just thought, well, if you're broke and you need money for college, you go into the military. Right. Mm. So I was like, well, I'm just going to join the military. It's the only way I thought I could get out of that small town and move on. And so that's what I did.
1: That's amazing.
0: Now, which forces did you join? I was in the Army.
1: The Army. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. And that got you out of the, the small
0: town. Got me out of Stephenville. Yeah. Yeah.
1: For a little bit. Oh my Lord. And so what happened during that during that experience? So like what year did you did you go into the army? It was
0: 1999. 1999. Yep. Oh the my. world was at peace. The okay, last then. Gulf War was uh, nine years earlier. It ended in eight days. So I thought, oh, this is going to be easy. Right. I thought literally nobody's going to mess with us anymore. So I could go in, get it, get some money for college, get out, thought that would be simple. And then two years later, September 11th happened then everybody in the military gets deployed right i mean it, oh, literally if you're in the military at that time you're going to get cycled through right and first and foremost thank you for your service Thanks. by the way Appreciate seriously
1: that. that's you know defending our country is the greatest the greatest honor in the world so thank you for that thank you that's why i was asking the year i was like wait i was <laughs> like what year did you end up going in there and like to go in when everything was at peace and then all of a sudden be deployed overseas like i can't even imagine now were were you because i think i remember hearing in your talk at build that you were in afghanistan iraq iraq Mm -hmm. no okay you went to iraq and so. okay so that's what it was and so how long were you there 12 months 12 months oh my goodness oh my goodness and then you came back to yeah i came back
0: and uh so um what happened was i was in the in the army for really a shorter amount of time, and then uh, got out and was in the reserves. And that's whenever I came back around, um, actually right before September 11th. And then that... Uh, That's where I met Michael Reese. Uh, Do you know Michael Reese? Michael, you probably heard of his name. I've heard his name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So I met Michael Reese at that time and needed a job, and he was working at Bally Total Fitness, and so I got a job there. Yeah, (laughs) started selling gym memberships there. So that was before he got into real estate. Wow. And he made the move into real estate in 2002, and I didn't follow right away. I was going to, but at the time, I was going to get in with him at that time. Then, then we got activated, and so then I, my deployment was actually 18 months, so it was wow. six months before even getting, uh, going to Iraq, wow. so, and then we spent 12 months there, so mm-hmm. I came back in 2006, 2006, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, and now coming
1: back from that, did you come back, did you go back home, where, where did you kind of land? Yeah, I
0: went back to Dallas, Dallas, yeah. okay, I went to, I went to Dallas, there's no way no. I was going back to Stephenville, Stephen, yeah, yeah, I was in the South. Was, was like, you did yeah. go
1: back to Stephenville? <laughs> no,
0: I, I went back to Dallas. I was not a good money manager at the time, and so I got back and then uh, I, but I got into I got a job with selling cell phones at Costco. So that was if uh, you, you ever walk into Costco and you yep. see that little cell phone booth, yep. So that was me like in 2006 wow that was it and it was it looks nice now but back then it was like this little ranky danky (laughs) stand with some at&t phones how big were the phones i sold the motorola razor do you remember the motorola razor oh
1: my god i I hated that phone when that came
0: out it was like we couldn't keep it on the shelf like people were coming to costco to buy that razor it was like the coolest thing ever. I remember, I you talk about it. I remember when the first camera phone, it, I had this little Sony Ericsson and it had a plug-in camera on the bottom. So terrible. <laughs> camera, Let me yeah, tell you, It was... That damn razor.
1: <laughs> like, I remember putting it in my pocket and it would, like, slide out Yeah. all the time. And then, like, I couldn't find it because it was so small. Yeah. And then the texting was my favorite. Oh, my God. To all of Gen X and anyone that was below <laughs> anyone younger... You guys are so lucky to text the way that you do. Yeah. Because we had that T9, and that, I think, was a gift. And not only that, but we had MySpace, too. Remember MySpace? Mm-hmm. We were coding geniuses from a young age. This generation <laughs> doesn't understand. Are you talking about
0: T9 predictive <laughs> text? Yeah, the predictive yeah, text? Yeah. yeah. like
1: the, that, that was, like, the most annoying text messages I've ever, like, like, literally would take me 20 minutes to write one text message.
0: Oh, I was pretty good at it. Were you? Yeah, because oh, all, you, I have, all you have to do is tap the letters, you know, and hope that it's gonna pre-populate the word you're looking for. So if you wanted to say bad, you would tap the the two twice and then the three, right? And it, it should give you bad, and then you have to select it.
1: But you, you, I don't know, that's
0: pretty good on the T9.
1: You you dialed it right in.
0: <laughs> See me, I got like the A D D,
1: so I had like I would like change what I was saying and I was like, oh, I forgot to add that part. So let me just uh, delete and then go back and do this and do that. <laughs> that's hilarious. The so Motorola Razors. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we sold oh those my at, goodness.
0: sold those at Costco. Oh that was my it. God. So I did that for uh, really just about eight months and I did so well then they they offered me a position in New York. Wow. And so I ended up going to New York and took over the, the nine Costco's in Long Island. Wow. So I so I became the district manager in Long Island and that lasted a year. First of all, I got tired of New York quickly. <laughs> The no, Northeast isn't no, yeah, fun yeah, yeah. for you, Levi. No Come offense. Come on. No offense. Uh, <laughs> I did go to Boston once. That's what I did like being in New York is that you could travel around. I New mean, England. you could go to Philly. You could go to Boston. You could go to New Jersey. You could like yep. hit some cool spots that I always wanted to be or, or you know, check out. And they're pretty short drives. So, um, you know, that was it. Oh, my God. That's amazing. So, yeah. And then from there, I got recruited by a pharmaceutical company and they offered me a position back in Dallas. So I was Mm. able to use that as an excuse to get out of New York after... A couple, I learned what nor'easters were. Oh, hell no.
1: (laughs) Welcome to the Northeast weather. It's, it's, and everyone here is just so funny because I'm like, how's the weather going? Oh, it was cold this morning. I hated it. I was like, I'm pretty sure it was 65 degrees this morning. Yeah. They're like, yeah, that's cold. I'm like, I can't wait if you ever go to Boston in the morning when it's 25 degrees outside. (laughs)
0: It was 65 this morning, and we, <laughs> we're like, uh, we gotta bust out the winter gear already. Yeah, I was like, oh my goodness. The, yeah. fu- the
1: funniest story I heard was last year when I guess uh, there was like a freeze over here because it was like 40, yeah. 40, 45 degrees or something. Yep. And everyone freaked out and the whole city shut down. Is that true or was that just a rumor?
0: Well, first of all, it was this. It was a hundred year storm. I mean, it oh, was. Okay. It, it completely bombarded with snow and ice and then it just stayed below freezing for a week. So oh, literally we had not seen that much snowfall or ice ever and um, and then it just stayed for a whole week. Normally if it snows here it'll be 70 degrees the next day and it's all Melted. gone. Yeah. yeah. But it was really cold. I mean it was in the 20s, 15s. What? Uh yeah. And oh. the thing is is the south and the cold, the cold in the south sucks. It's not like I've been in very cold weather up in New York and Chicago, and it's it's, it's tolerable. 20s is actually tolerable. 60 degrees here? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. You're like, nope. you're, you're freezing That's cold. So yeah, funny. I remember, so funny story was that, so I went to the pharma company and kind of fast forward a little bit. Ultimately, they offered me a position at a corporate office in Louisiana, which took, I went back to Dallas. I was in mm. Dallas for 18 months, then I went to Louisiana because they offered me, Uh, position there then they offered me a position in chicago another promotion so i went to chicago for a year coldest city i mean that place is terrible have you ever been to chicago in the dead of winter (laughs) oh my god that (laughs) that is terrible and that was 2013 Mm -hmm. which that was the winter that was like one of the coldest winters on record for the last 100 years in chicago and if you've never been there before, when you walk out uh, past a building and they call it the wind, you know, the tunnels, the wind tunnels, oh. because the streets where the wind hits you when you, you know, apps, abs- I mean, we would stop in the stores, like literally yeah. stop into stores just to, yeah, in the stop. Are- yeah, you could walk like a block. And I remember one day I went to go take the trash outside. The sun was out. Finally, the tra- I, I went to go take the trash out and I was like. I go, man. This is really a nice day. It doesn't feel too bad out here. And I pulled out my phone to look at it, and it said twenty-five degrees. <laughs> I was, I was like, this is what it's come to now. I think <laughs> a twenty-five degree <laughs> day is a nice is a nice day, but it had been, uh, it was like negative three, negative four, Jesus. in wow. that that winter of twenty thirteen. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was um, January twenty thirteen or so. Wow. January, February, March.
1: Oh my God! Yeah, Chicago weather. I can't just can't do no
0: no Mm-mm. so luckily i had an excuse to get out of there after a year
1: <laughs> the excuses of all i mean the places, you know right? yeah
0: that's the thing it's hard to take a southern boy you know Anywhere to the else. north yeah I, I mean i could I'd, i could survive in california that's, <laughs> that, that's not a problem or the caribbean there you go move me further south i i can handle that i he's not a problem Yeah, it's the north. I'm definitely a warm blooded reptile.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's amazing. Well, it's so interesting like your trajectory and like all the different routes that you've taken throughout your journey. So after the pharmaceutical company, so you came went to Louisiana,
0: right? Uh, well the pharma the pharmaceutical company, yeah, uh, took me back to Dallas for eighteen months. And then they they offered me a position at the corporate office, which was in in Louisiana. Louisiana. Yep. And I was there for almost four years. And then they offered me the position in Chicago. Mm. And so then I went to Chicago and that's whenever I became sick, mm. really sick. So you you were there at Build, you saw my picture, right? Yeah. And so what happened was I came home from Iraq in 2006 with the digestive disease. Oh, it was ulcerative colitis is what it was. Mm. I went four years undiagnosed because I was stubborn, you know, Jeez. but I was having, uh, so for four years I was having gut issues, you know, Uh, all other kinds of issues we'll save for another time. And, you know, it's just, it always messed with me, but I was so stubborn that I didn't even uh, tell a doctor about it for four years. And finally in 2009, I was was like, all right, this is a problem, so I need to go to a doctor. Of course, I went to a doctor. He immediately sends me to a GI doctor. They do a colonoscopy, and they're like, you got ulcerative colitis. And for those that don't know, that is uh, similar to Crohn's disease, And it's ulcers, you know, it's literally ulcers. So if you've ever had an ulcer in your mouth or a canker sore, imagine that in your colon or your intestines or something like that. Yes. So Crohn's disease affects you from the esophagus to your colon, you know, so it's anywhere from the throat to the stomach to the esophagus to the small intestine. Ulcerative colitis is just designated in the colon. So but it's the same disease just in the colon and that's a problem. It's a problem because that's where 90% of your nutrition gets absorbed. And the problem is is that when food would get in there, if it touches an ulcer, it's like, I don't want to be here, get me out of here. Mm. So that that makes it a very inconvenient lifestyle. You know, right. when you have to when you see those commercials, if you ever see the ulcerative colitis commercials, they're like, you know, they they a toilets chasing them around and that's the oh. way it was. Oh, you have God. no quality of life because it's very hard to, it's very, very difficult to control, you know, any type of bowel movement or anything like that. So it was, that's how bad it was. It got to a point to where, you know, you don't want to go out. You don't want to hang out with friends. You don't want to go anywhere because, you know, um, and it's not just, it could happen. It's also frequency because if you take a drink of water, anything, any type of food, no matter what it is, as soon as it would get in your colon, your colon's like, get out, out. you know, that hurts. I mean, if you had a scrape on your hand and I sit there and just poked at it, right? you know, you would be like, ow, don't touch, you know, yeah, you'd yeah, yank yeah. your hand away. So imagine that on the inside. So 2009, I got diagnosed they put me on medication. You know, doctors were like, hey, no cure. You're going to have this the rest of your life, get you on medication and that's it. You know, that, that's it. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, does diet matter? Do I need to... Sh-? And they're like, no, none of that matters. Diet doesn't matter, you know, just you just need to be on medication forever. I was like, okay. And that's what I I took that. And uh, 2013, whenever I went to Chicago, it's just one day, and I remember the day, I just my stomach started completely cramping up. It was like I'd never felt before. And then the next thing I know, I'm just, it was the worst pain I started to go through. And over the next three months, uh, it was just, it was complete hell. But in that first month, I lost 50 pounds. And so... You know, you go through that and you lose all that weight. And then on top of that, we just moved to Chicago. No friends, no family, nobody there for support, right. you know. And then uh, my mom and dad were going to come because my mom do- didn't work. So she was going to come up. But then she got MRSA, which is, a, you know, a staph infection, like a, you know, a skin staph yeah. infection, which she was able to get rid of that. But it's highly contagious. Oh my God. And so I was like, I can't even risk anything Anything. else. Yeah. I was like, you you should, you can come up here and kill me. So she wasn't able to come while that happened. And, you know, you lose that, lose the poundage in 30 days. Um, I was literally skin and bones and, uh, bedridden. It got to the point where, you know, it was, I couldn't sit up. I couldn't lay down because my hip bones would just rub. Yeah. I mean, you'd lay down and just rub like on the bed. And it was, uh, I was in the bathroom 24 times a day literally every hour and uh, you know you couldn't you can't i couldn't hold in food or water which is another reason so i'd go to the hospital they'd iv me i'd feel amazing and as soon as i get home and that iv dissipated it was all over so it's either just stay in the hospital the whole time or and uh anyways that just happened for three months four different i went to four different gi doctors and by the end of it they said look you need to talk to a surgeon you know we need to cut out your colon like cut it out that'll cure you that was their solution they said oh, well cut it out you know i mean it's crazy what they their solutions are and that was it i mean that that's all they had every single doctor told me the exact same thing none of them wanted to deviate i asked one specifically i was like well can't we try this or that and he goes well the newing i remember specifically he goes well the new england journal of medicine tells me that this is what yeah we're well, going to put you on this medication. When that doesn't work, we put you on this medication. When that doesn't work, we put you on this medication. When that doesn't work, we put you on this medication. When that doesn't work, we cut out your colon. Like, it's, it's like that. Like,
1: how is that even like a, like a... And you know what messes me up about these medications is <laughs> the side effects. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, I look at it and I'm like, they take a mental health patient who's struggling with depression, say, for example. Yeah. And you give them these antidepressants and you look at the side effects and they literally say suicide. Yep. Why the hell would I even risk take like what? Like that is not even remotely addressing the problem. It's almost like yep. sedation. Wow. No, no. Keep going. I just like, I can't even imagine just be like, oh, no, it's only this yeah. or this or this or this. Like, I can't even imagine what the side effects were on the other well, side, right?
0: Fortunately, well, the, the harsh stuff was bad. The medication they had me on was really, it was really kind of like capsules full of milk. Then they're, oh. they're designed to actually break up in your colon. So they're oh. really thick capsules to make it through your digestive system. And then they, they break up in your colon. And it's kind of like, you know, spreading milk, oh. uh, kind of like coating. That's what it was. It was like a milk formula. And oh, it would wow. coat your, it's supposed to coat your colon to reduce the, the symptoms. Doesn't cure you, right? It right. just reduces inflammation for a time period, which is why you have to continually take them every single day. But they never really truly worked for me. I still, you know, had issues but, you know, that was their solution. So there wasn't really any major side effects to that because it wasn't going through the liver and getting digested and all that. But yeah. but then whenever they put me on steroids, you know, steroids, that's, all that stuff is bad, uh, other medications, they were going to put me on Remicade, which Remicade is a low-dose uh, chemo infusion. Oh, wow. And that's what they do to a lot of Crohn's and colitis patients is they... Because uh, they say it's an autoimmune disease and and uh, you need to sup- kill everything. I mean, it's just bizarre. Oh so, but I didn't go that route. I found a natural doctor mm-hmm. and the natural doctor is like, well, hey, let's just change your diet. And again, the whole time the doctors were, diet doesn't matter. You know, eat what you want. Go have right. some salsa and jalapenos and, you know, yeah. everything else. You just, it uh, doesn't matter. And so the natural doctor is like, well, let's change your diet you know, put you on some vitamins and, uh, you know, and that's what we started to do inside of three weeks. I started to get better all just off of
1: diet Yep, and every single other
0: and supplements. Yeah. He put me on some supplements. So, and every other doctor said, you basically have no choice. Yeah. So three weeks I started to get, uh, and he told me, he goes, it's probably going to take about two weeks. And during that three months, I was still having the, the, the cramping. Which was, that was one of the worst things because it was almost every 10 minutes. So I would just cramp up. I mean, like buckling, make me clench, um, tears in my eyes, type of cramping. And it lasts for like one to two minutes, but it was so painful. And the doctor, the natural doctor, you know, he's like, this is going to take about two weeks. I predict, you know, for this, for the supplements. And I was like, well, these cramps are killing me. He said, put peppermint oil in coconut oil. And anytime you get a cramp, just rub that on your stomach. And I was like, okay, and went home and, and kept a little little thing of a coconut oil with peppermint oil in there. And anytime I'd start to cramp, I would just, like, glab a glob and start rubbing it on there. And it would, instead of a cramp lasting wow. two minutes, it'd get rid of it in, like, 20, 30 seconds. I mean, it was crazy
1: peppermint and coconut and oil Peppermint oil. Yeah, anyone pe- yeah. listening put the peppermint oil in there so if you yeah <laughs> wow. if you suffer
0: from some stomach cramps that you know clearly there's a deeper issue but that was like a, a, yeah, a temporary like fix yeah, yeah but it was you know and that was a game changer so it made I made it through the two weeks and then the cramping stopped once the cramping stopped that's whenever I was able to kind of gain get my appetite back and mm. actually feel hungry because before I didn't want to eat anything right I couldn't hold anything in but then I started to, then I went on an elimination diet. Whenever I, after that happened, I ate chicken broth for two weeks, just straight chicken broth. No, no meat in there, just, just chicken broth. Wow. So, and then after two weeks, you know, put an egg in there, you know, and two eggs and then got some avocado. So very soft things, absorbable things. And so uh, yeah. that's how I started to get myself back on that diet, on a diet was eliminating everything and just started to kind of slowly work back in, yeah. uh, foods. So, and then wow. after three to four weeks, all of a sudden within a week, I gained back 20 pounds. What? And then, and then my appetite came back. Have you ever heard of Michael Phelps diet? Yeah. You know, you, how you like eat
1: 5,000 calories <laughs> or something a day. No, like
0: 10,000 for breakfast. No, Michael Phelps would eat 10,000 calories for breakfast. You ever see, like he would literally go to IHOP and get, you know, 20 pancakes and, Twenty strips of bacon and egg. What? I mean, he would literally eat like ten thousand calories for breakfast because, I mean, he would burn off like twenty thousand calories swimming. So Holy in God. the morning session, and then he'd go eat lunch. So I started eating probably five thousand calories a day, and easily I started. I was two breakfasts, two lunches, two dinners almost. I mean, I'd eat a dinner what? and I'd be like, uh, "Give me more," you know. I, I would wake up in the middle of the night yeah. start, and my appetite just came roaring back that actually, before I gained the 20 pounds back, that went on for three weeks and I didn't gain a pound. So for three weeks I was eating just nonstop. I was so hungry and deprived, uh, natural doctor, you know, he was just like, uh, he's like, yeah, he goes, your body is so deprived. It's just immediately consuming all those calories. And, um, and the thing was, is that I wasn't, my colon, you know, was, was better. It was, uh, you know the supplementation, everything that he put me on that protocol, yeah. literally within a couple of weeks, like snuffed it all out. And so That's I was insane. not only was I able to eat it, I was able to start going to the bathroom like a regular person, person again. Yeah. Wow. And uh, and then after three weeks, all of a sudden that next week is like I just popped on twenty pounds. Like it just all of a sudden I was boop boop. And then uh, from there it took a, another two weeks. I gained back another my other thirty pounds um, within about the next thirty days. Because I've always been right around one ninety, and I dropped down to one forty. So wow. uh, that Jeez. picture that it showed yeah. up on the screen, I was one hundred and forty pounds there. Jeez. So that was it, and uh, you know, came back from that, and that's whenever I started my financial services business because yep. I lost my job with the pharma company. I'd been there for eight years, and. You know, at a job, they're like, hey, you can have 90 days off and that's it. They want you to come back to work. And clearly, I wasn't physically able to do that. So I ended up losing that job. After you give somebody eight years of your life, everything, move to three different states because of them. And then after 90 days, they're kind of like, well, job's a job, right? No, uh, no, it's okay. You know, you have a position when you come back. It was like, what are you going to do? You know,
1: right. Well, what were you supposed to do during that that time? You couldn't even... I can only imagine what that feels like. and Well, that's the thing about, you know, when people tell me, oh, you know, a job is financial security, and it's this, and it's supposed to be, like, the safety belt yeah. to all things, and it's kind of like, uh...
0: Well, <laughs> that's that's the other thing. So the natural doctors, they don't take insurance. So right. that was all cash anyway. So my medical insurance, yeah, it would have been great if I got my colon cut out. <laughs> but, right. But uh, I'm glad I didn't do that, so... I ended up paying cash with that. It wasn't just that doctor, though. Over that next year, I ended up uh, seeing five different natural doctors. Wow. Which the cool thing about that was each one of them. The first doctor, I kind of, after like two or three, after about three months, I hit a plateau with him, mm. and I found the next doctor at the right time. And I came into my life, and then he kind of got me to the next step. And then from there, when I kind of plateaued there, found the yeah. next doctor. And so each one of them really helped me in a different progression of my recovery. But it was all cash the whole time. But the good thing was is, you know, that's why you want to, you know, you don't want to be too conservative on your money, but it's always good to have a little setback for emergencies. And and that's what got me through all that was having the the savings, the emergency fund.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And anyone who's listening right now that's maybe going through a medical issue and doctors are telling me this and telling you, like, this is – your only options here yeah to go out and look at different avenues right because the same situation happened with Tony Robbins when he collapsed on stage in 2019 he went to every doctor in the world nobody could help him then he went to Dr. Tennant here in Dallas actually he's out in Irving he really saved his life
0: yeah is he a natural doctor Mm-hmm. he is yes, he okay. is I'll have to get that information I'll
1: plug in for the 10. Well, Institute I'll tell you what, I, amazing.
0: I'm about to uh, I'm about to buy a whole bunch of Gary Brecka stuff. I'll tell you. Oh, that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Ten, yeah. That's amazing stuff. But like what's so cool in this day and age now is to see these things, because like right. Like how can you move forward in life when your mind, body and spirit are not aligned? Mm-hmm. Right. The body part, it can be so debilitating. I can imagine during that time, like what co- kind of quality of life could you have had had that continued?
0: Oh, I was, you. I mean, it broke me mentally and physically. Right. I, I thought Iraq was tough. That was, Iraq was a cakewalk compared to those three months. That right. was, it was absolutely horrific. Right. Terrible, terrible. I mean, it, uh, so, and I was broken mentally. I mean, it was bad.
1: Right. And like, how do you pull yourself out of that? Because there's people that get stuck in that and then they, they make their, whatever's going on with them kind of like part of their identity and they don't even like want to move forward with it. I've seen it a few times and I'm like how can I help you, man? Like, I don't yeah. know what to do. You know what I mean? Because sometimes that that illness takes over and you just don't, like the mindset, because like you said, it affects your mental mind state. And it's like, how do you come well, out of
0: that? For me, you have to keep looking. Exactly. I mean, you have, to, you have to keep looking for answers. And then when you find right. an opportunity, yeah. you have to take action. It's the same thing with the whole YouTube stuff right now. I mean, right. I had a choice. Do I give up? You know? move to a Caribbean Island or do I, do I move forward and, and take yeah. action, find a different path. And then when you find that path, take massive action. So, you know, when I found a natural doctor, I never considered a natural doctor. I was yeah. just, you know, I didn't even really knew they existed probably right, you know, right, at that right. point. It was, but I was open. And whenever I met with him and he was just like, he told me later, he thought I was going to die like in his office. I mean, that's how he bad. He, wow. he but he didn't show that to me thank God. He was like, all right. He goes, I, I think I can help you out. You know, he seemed, and that's all I needed to hear. And right. whenever he was like, look, let's get you on these supplements. He was, he was extremely optimistic. Although we have a good relationship. We're still friends. And he'll tell you to this day, he was like, I did not, he goes, I didn't even think you're going to walk out of my office that day because I was just skin and bones, you know? And wow. he said, I was definitely the worst person he's ever helped. Wow. And, uh, but, he believed, you know, and he thought, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. And he didn't show his cards to me. He didn't say, Oh my God, you know. You know, and God. the the medical doctors, they would just look at me and be like, No cure. Take this medication. Nope, nope, nope. That I mean, they were Imagine so that. I mean, so closed minded about everything. Oh, wow. Well what can I try nope, nope, New England Journal of Medicine doesn't say to do that. So okay. therefore, you know, I mean they're just they used to call it practicing medicine because they practiced medicine Medicine. yeah Yeah. they didn't just do what they were told from a journal you know and so it is what it is
1: well it's it's just crazy and thank god you were open to that right because some people aren't right they don't think to look at an alternative solution and thank god you did and to anyone who's listening right now that might be struggling with anything if doctors are telling you one thing please go out and try to find some alternative solutions because you just never know yeah look at your case i mean two three weeks like what a freaking miracle You know, and then like what that did for you to heal you. Yeah. That's incredible. That's
0: incredible. And that was almost 10 years ago. Actually, this will be the 10 year anniversary and not a single sign or symptom or issue ever since then. That's God's work right there. And no, yep, no medications. I I haven't even taken an an Advil or a Tylenol Tylenol in 10 years because I'm so naturally minded now. And if you look at the long term side effects of that stuff as well, I'm just, it's just not worth it. But I really don't get the funny thing is, is as immune compromised as I was back then, I haven't even other than covid. I did get covid 3 times, <laughs> but I got it twice. Sam. Yeah, but <laughs> up until covid, I I had Fine. not been sick the, wow. for the 6-7 years before that, wow. and I used to get colds and flus. All the time. Yep. Until I stopped getting flu shot. Ah. <laughs> and, then I, and then I got my diet and actually, by the way, this is not medical advice at all whatsoever. I'm not a doctor and I don't just claim like, to be a doctor. I just, uh, <laughs> I've just been through a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot medical of events in my life. So. I love But, you know, and so that's why whenever, when COVID came around, I wasn't even really concerned about it because whenever I looked at it and you looked at yeah. who it was really affecting then I was like, well, I'm, I don't fall in that. And, and I felt so like my immune system is so strong now, which yeah, I do like believe it. is based on diet, you know? Yeah. And, and so now, and I'm, I'm about to get my genetic te- test back from Gary Brecca. Actually, nice. I, I'm uh, doing a one-on-one consultation with him as well because I'm, I'm all about oh, it. If you don't yeah. have your health, you can't enjoy your wealth. And so what's the no. point of making money and working your tail off if you're not going to be in optimal health to enjoy it? And so I'm right. willing to spend the money on health and good food uh i you know people say i'm not buying organic because that's stuff's way too expensive i'm like hey that's an investment in me Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: absolutely absolutely well look it brought you back and now look at all the things that you're doing now and like what's really amazing is so you mentioned that you had a shift during covid which a lot of the world did right And you made this choice to go into the YouTube side of things during a pandemic. Not the easiest time to make any major decisions. Right. But you did that and you went all in. Now, to anyone who's maybe in a shift like this in their own life, what would be your recommendations and some action steps to help them and kind of model what you've done in your business? Because now you guys are sling it like we were saying like <laughs> top channel here in dallas and just like sales volume and everything like your educational courses i mean you guys are just killing it on all angles and when you look at it what it's been 15 months 18, 18 months, 18 months yeah, yeah 15 18 months yeah and it's like it's amazing that's like an entrepreneur's dream right so yep. just some um, tips and advice that you would give an entrepreneur who's looking to transit and maybe start something new up
0: i love whenever I encourage people that you can hyper learn any subject in 60 days, because the amount of information that's out there is available and blogs and videos and YouTube and Google and, and books. I mean, the books are more plentiful than ever. And and that's what I truly believe. So I don't know. YouTube's not for everybody, but you, if you're struggling, you've got to find something you've got to find one way or another to generate business is what it, I don't care what business you're in. If you own your business, if you're an agent, you are, well, if you're an agent, there's ways to be a business owner uh, and there's ways to be a real estate agent. Mm -hmm. So that's the one thing I wanted to make sure is I didn't come in to be a real estate agent. I came in to be a business owner. Mm. And so Mm. that's why I had to ask myself different questions and look at it a different way. I wasn't going to come in and shake hands and kiss babies. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. But uh, yeah. Especially during COVID, you're, right, there's right. no you there's no meeting. Yeah, anybody. yeah, I know you can't shake hands and kiss babies anyway. So can't it's even like
1: come within six feet. yeah, yeah I know. It. Like,
0: how am I going <laughs> to network with people? All right, so that's out. Uh, and so yeah, so I had to think differently. And so once you find something, and this is what I really encourage people to do is follow the path of least resistance, mm. which is determine first of all: Are you a people person? Are you a phone call person? Are you a writer, or are you a video person? Well, if you can put yourself in one of those categories, which I think everybody can, okay, let's say you're a people person. Well, if you're a people person and you're in the real estate business, what can you do to meet people? You can do open houses. You can do networking events. You can join a club. You know, you can go rub shoulders with a a lot of people in a lot of different ways. And if that's your thing, go all in on that. Learn how to do the absolute best open house possible, you know. There's trust me there's books on how to run an open house there's YouTube videos on how to run an open house somebody has a course on how to run an open house wow don't i didn't watch Tiger King during the during covid okay so I did. <laughs> I did. Are you coming at me, Levi? Damn it! Well, I think you were already you, you were you were already successful by then. So you you know, I, hey, if I was at where I was at right now, I might say, oh, this is a good time to watch some Netflix. You know, if if COVID were to happen, right or something like that. But I I wasn't in that position. I was in yeah. I was starting over, right. and so I was I said, this is not time for me to catch up on every Netflix show. This is time for me to figure out what am I going to do with the next chapter mm. in my life. Mm. And so I sat on my computer for 12-15 hours a day, Wow, you know, researching looking, mm. looking for answers and ultimately what led me down to YouTube is I was looking at all the other social platforms and then I just had to stop and I was like okay, if I'm going to be an agent then I had to take a look at the brokerage, you know, because Michael was with eXp, he wanted yeah. the, the brokerage model made mm. sense to me But at the same time, I'm like... "Uh, You don't want to sell houses. Yeah, I don't want to sell houses. (laughs) All right. So I was like, if I'm going to make this work, uh, okay, how do I do this? Well, I started to look at who's the top agents, the top attractors in EXP. And so when I started looking at the top five, top six, top seven, I found one common trait. All of them had a really strong presence on YouTube.
1: Mm. And so I
0: thought, well, maybe YouTube is... The way to go, and then I'm kind of an old school person, so the first thing I did was buy all the YouTube marketing books I could find, and that book right behind me, YouTube Secrets, hey, uh, which were featured in, by the way. Hey, yeah. Well, nice. we here's the other thing. We weren't 18 months ago. They just came out with the second edition, and we're oh. in that book let's go. Can you believe that? I mean, I can. Yeah, that's uh, and that's the that's the drastic change you can have from going nothing wow. to featured in one of the best selling YouTube books now, because I picked up that book. And when I picked up that book, Benji had one small paragraph in like chapter nine. And it said, you know, he had a real estate channel in 2009. So you talk about the OG of real estate, possibly could be mm. Benji Travis. And he had a channel called Home Deals TV, I believe. And he said he was a struggling agent, you know, barely doing 10 deals a year, about to get out of real estate. And then HUD approached him because of his YouTube channel and gave him the contract for the Pacific Northwest. He ended up listing all the HUD homes the next year, sold over 100 homes because of his YouTube channel. And so that was like, ooh. That was an attraction model, right? It was putting the information out, and that's what he talked about. But it was only he only mentioned that in like two paragraphs in that book. So then I thought, oh, okay, so YouTube. But all they talk about is YouTube's a search engine. I was like, that's the problem. I'm looking yeah. at these other platforms, their social media platforms. And because I'm 41, I've got this love-hate relationship with social media, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't grow up with it in high school. Wasn't right. there, in, you know, yeah. right, we in college. Notes. Yeah, that's what we did. Yeah. These so damn kids used to. Test I now. never <laughs> had. I still had not bought into social media, right? Because yeah, we look at it and we go, all right, it's people just bragging, posting their lunch and silly cat videos, right? Yep. That's, that's dancing. Yeah, but then then we're like, well, the twenty and the thirty year olds are like making some money off of this stuff. So mm-hmm. now now we're going, okay, maybe we should take a closer look. Yeah, and so that's why I was like well, alright if I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do it through social Facebook, Instagram, TikTok because that's what everybody was talking about and and that just didn't sit well in my gut I was kind of like it's it's not me it's like how am I gonna jump on there and then all my friends and family are gonna be like oh you're in real estate now you know oh you know you're you're a dancing real estate agent oh, <laughs> you, oh you make pointy videos no, I don't know, you know oh god makes, <laughs> you know I'm like is that what I'm supposed to do and <laughs> And, I, and I, couldn't, I just couldn't see myself doing that. Yeah. And so that's whenever I stopped. I'm like, okay, let me look at the top agents uh, at eXp. What are they doing? Mm. And I just noticed, I was like, okay, you see some of up there. I'm like, oh, they've all got strong presence on YouTube. What's, let me buy YouTube books. Benji's talking about a channel providing value. And YouTube's not a social media platform. It's a search engine. Mm. And if you can create content mm. that people are already searching for, They're going to find it a lot better than me trying to dance on on TikTok and try to, you know, convert somebody 12 months later. Mm -hmm. So that was the aha moment. And from there, it was like, okay, well, if that's what I'm going to do, I'm going all in. in. I'm not going to try to be everywhere, because if if you try to be everywhere, everywhere, starting out, guess what? You're going to put 20 percent effort into five different platforms. Mm hmm pick one platform, go all in. And I think it's easier after you master a platform to branch off mm. in the other ones and build your brand yeah. too. Right. So I just went all in on uh, YouTube and started that and uh, right around in the 90 day mark is, is I'd met Travis a little bit earlier than that, but we weren't working together in the beginning. But at the time when clients started to come in, that's when we started to hang out together and, I didn't, want to, I didn't want to show homes either. That was the other thing. I was like, well, how am I going to be a real estate agent and not show homes? I was <laughs> like, I, I probably need a partner. And whenever I met Travis, Travis was like, hey, man, I want to sell 100 homes a year. You know, I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. going to close some homes. I want to sell some homes. I want, you know, I'm like, but he <laughs> yeah. didn't want to prospect for it. <laughs> you know?
1: You're like, this is like the dynamic duo. I was like, Ooh. I don't want to be out there. Yeah. I'll get them for you. I'll go fish. You just take the fish yep. and go, go cook it. He basically. didn't want to fish.
0: He just wanted to close. Exactly. Yep. And uh, so we're like, okay, well, maybe we got something here. And so th- when the client started to come in, Travis was like, Let me, I'll go show him homes. I'll go take him around. And then he started closing deals. Was and he then, wearing his
1: pineapple shirt? Oh, my God. No. That guy.
0: <laughs> we, we still go back and forth a little bit. Um, <laughs> we have discussions all the time. It's funny because he sometimes he calls me his dad. Sometimes I got to do a little regulate, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, Gotta love. Travis. I try to. I mean, I appreciate. I definitely love him for who he is, and yeah. and I never want to have somebody present themselves who they're not. Right. But at the same time, <laughs> <laughs> here do, comes the I, I, dad. I do find there's a uh, there's there is a line of you know professionalism sometimes, but but it's you know, he knows it's he it's has he has some interesting sweatshirts and things like that yeah. uh, he would wear to conferences and and. Uh, I'd just be like, yeah, I don't know if that's the best, to, you know. Let's, um, <laughs> how about we not wear that to the conference? And and he would, he'd just be like, what, man? I don't, I don't see anything wrong with this at all. <laughs> and I'd say, well, like,
1: let's rock and roll.
0: Can you do me a favor? And and you know, he's like, he's super cool. He's always like, all right, man. If that's he's like, if it's important to you, then you know. So yeah, you're
1: like the brand. The yeah. <laughs> brand. Well, that's a dynamic duo right there yeah. too. And I mean, like just. It's just so amazing to hear your trajectory and like where you've been and all the different pivots that you've taken. And like now you're here. I mean, you guys are blowing up and this is just two years in, which yeah. is incredible. So like one of the things that I would ask you based on your journey and everything that you've done is what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now?
0: <laughs> so I believe I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Amen. Amen. There is only one thing though. <laughs> Just one. Thing. If I could change one thing, that would be to take the internet seriously in 2000.
1: Mm. Mhm.
0: To take Facebook seriously in 2005. To take Facebook advertising seriously in 2009. You know, I, that's the only thing I would have. But I don't know. I don't that see all of that if I would have done that? I might have went down a different path. And mm-hmm. I might have never met a natural doctor and I might I might not have a colon today and I might be the sickest rich guy ever and mm-hmm. maybe even dead, you know? Right. But so that's why I feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. But the thing is, is that because I still had that mentality of, you know, that limited mindset of, you know, oh, the Internet, that's just, it's silly or that's a fad or something. I mean, I, I literally thought that Facebook came out. and I was like, oh, well, Facebook, it's. It's stupid. It's for college kids, you know, instead right. of instead of being curious, instead of saying, you know what, let me take a look at this, you know, maybe there's something to that. Right. Uh, whenever Facebook advertising comes out in 2009, you know what, maybe I should study how to run a, a Facebook ad, you know, instead of, ah, you know, that's stupid, you know. Right. Under... Although they had the absolute best data points on anybody at any time, given, you know, even possibly better than Google at the time. I think Google's far superior now. No, but, right, right, right. But at but that at time, time, yeah. Yep. And so, you know, this is a big reason why, right now, like blockchain, NFTs. I was
1: just going to ask you
0: how you felt about yeah, well, all of that. Well, that's that's why I'm... I'm a big advocate for it right now because I'm not going to put myself in that position again. So Mm -hmm. right now we, we need, if you're a real estate agent, I'm telling you right now, (laughs) you need to take it seriously. Don't be the agent in five years. That is like, well, maybe I should start learning about this NFT thing because, uh, you know, that's where Whoa. everything's going to be moving towards. Well, every
1: house is going to be on an NFT. Yeah. So I'm part of Consortia, which is um, the only SEC certified blockchain designation for real estate, period, yep. right now in the country. I don't know if you've heard about it, Consortia. Yeah. Yep. We're,
0: we're, we do some stuff with that. Yeah, them.
1: yeah, yeah. So the blockchain is, you know, Web 3.0. So that's going to be a whole new world. Yeah. You know, and it's like, if everything's moving on there, you better move fast because the first ones to the gate... Always win.
0: Yeah. You know, I it's funny. first. It's funny. You know, like Gary V. you know TikTok was Musical.ly before TikTok, right? Was it? Yeah.
1: Was it really? Yeah. Oh, snap. No, I didn't. Okay. Had, had you heard of Musical.ly? Musical.ly, yeah. yeah. But okay. I didn't know. That was
0: TikTok. And I remember Gary V. talking about Musical.ly saying, you know, because Gary Vee is like the ultimate curious guy, you know, he's like, I'm going to. Futurist. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to yeah. like, get it. So people would be like, oh, musically stupid. And Gary Vee would be like, it's a social platform. I'm going to get on there. I'm going to play with it. I'm going to use it. I'm going to learn it. I'm going to understand it. Will it go out of business six months? Maybe. He goes, but I'm going to learn things about it. You know, I'm going to understand it. And what happened, it turned, it turned into TikTok. It had actually the same, it wasn't the TikTok. It had the, um, What's the TikTok logo now? It's like a, a little... It's still like a it's little a music, music symbol. Is yeah. it the, what do they call that? The treble clef? Uh, is that the treble clef?
1: Yeah, I think so. It's like okay. the, yeah. I can draw that's it what for it was. you,
0: but it I can't was, remember. But it was, it was music.ly. That's what the app was before. So and I remember Gary Vee at that time. And even at that time, because that was, that was just before, you know, I made the shift. I was still at the time going, oh, okay, dancing on Musical.ly, you know, dancing videos. I was kind of like, oh, I'm definitely... That's definitely not me. Right. And so again... I remember I downloaded Musically app be, just because of what Gary Vee said, and I, and I played around with it, but yeah. I still had a limited mindset to go. This is silly, you know. Okay, I don't see any utility for this. I don't see use of it. And of course, it turns it just renames to TikTok. It was the same app, and then all of a sudden, you know, yeah. who don't, Kendall Jenner and everybody else gets on there, and right, and then it, it it blows up. And then crazy. Then think about the first real estate agents they got on there, you know. Oh. And started to take it seriously, you know, mm-hmm. and use it as a, as, a, as a producer versus a consumer. Wow. So if we continually look at these things from a consumer side, yeah. you're not going to fully understand it. Which is why whenever I say hyper-learn something, what I did was study YouTube for 60 days to learn it, learn the fundamentals and principles wow. of the platform and how does the platform work. Then you can look at how does it apply to real estate? How does it apply to financial advising? How does it apply to a plumber? I mean, there's a plumber. We've had a plumber on, you know, he lives here in Dallas, Roger Wakefield, 450,000 subscribers, does a million dollars a year in brand deals. He's sponsored by Lowe's and Home Depot. And he talks about clogged toilets on YouTube. And that's what he does now. He runs... It's funny and I called him I had a plumbing issue the other day his van pulls up it looks like a huge YouTube thumbnail <laughs> it's like <laughs> you know and the branding That's is consistent awesome. there but I'm saying that a plumber has an audience of 450,000 people brand deals in the millions you know it it is it's a utility it's a search engine right people watch that content love him i mean yeah. you know i mean Home Depot and Lowe's or plumbing companies can say, hey, this guy's got 450,000 people directly interested in plumbing. Why would we not advertise there? Why would we put, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Drano on on TV whenever it, who knows who it's going to hit. It's
1: going to hit, right? Yeah.
0: That there's opportunity there. And now more than ever, you could be a quilter, you know, (laughs) there's You can make money off of quilting right now because there's an audience out there. It's insane. And they're on YouTube. (laughs) It's
1: insane. I just, Oh my God, the opportunities are endless. And like, speaking of which what's up in your world in the next like six to 12 months, Levi, I'm like, I can't even imagine what you guys are up to, what you're chefing up over here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
0: Uh, Well, I mean, you know, we're, uh, we're already kind. We're already planning for next year. So the one yeah. thing we we do is we we map out conferences for the next year because they're already pretty much out there. So we look at all video and real estate conferences. Mm-hmm. We determine which ones do we want to attend, which ones you know can we get to, are we going to be speaking at any of them? Mm-hmm. If we're not, is it worth it to go? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, but ultimately, every conference we've been to this year. I could, I could write a book on this of the things that happen because of the people we meet, the things we learn or the relationships we build based on each and every conference. So what everybody always looks at is today's cost versus tomorrow's value. Mm. And you can't look at the monetary return on a plane ticket and a conference ticket and a hotel room. You can't look at you. It's very hard to measure and say, oh, well, I spent $2,000 to get here. I'm going to make 3000 back. It doesn't really work like that. You're going to spend 2000 to get there, and it may return you $100,000. But how do you directly connect it, except for the relationship or the person that right. I met because of this opportunity? You saw the story at Build, right? Yeah. If I had, if I had not been at Build last year, when nobody yes, knew who we were. was
1: crazy. Oh, right? my God.
0: But uh, here's the story to that, if, if you got a minute. Yeah, let's do it. So if I was not at Build last year... I would have never taken that picture, you know, and and I wouldn't have heard Jay Kinder say on stage because that's Jay Kinder was on stage. And he said, the people that tell me they're going to be on stage. End up on stage. Mm. And that's why I took that picture. And that's why I sent him the picture and said nose because I was sitting in the very back Back, row, the least expensive ticket. And I said, nosebleeds this year on stage next year. And I sent that to him, just him. Because he said, he said, the people that tell me that they're going to be on stage will be on stage. But it doesn't just stop there. You can't just go sit on the couch and manifest that now. Mm-hmm. You've got to put in the work. Right. But here's the deal. They release Cabo at Build. So the Cabo event gets released at Build, and it typically sells out. Yeah. Because you think about it, there's 6,000 agents at Build. There's yep. only 1,000 agents that can go to Cabo. Right. So they release it at Build. Guess what happens? It gets all Sold booked out. up. So we booked Cabo from Build last year. Mm. We go to Cabo, and what happens at Cabo is Brent Gove and Gene and Frederick are on stage, and guess what they say? They say, if you want to be on stage or you think you should be on stage, you need to tell us. You need to let us know. Yeah. Don't be shy. Don't, don't think that you're bragging or it's ego. They said, we want to hear this. We don't know everybody's story. We can't. You know, we don't yep. hear all the successes out there. We know you're out there, so you got to tell us. I was standing in the back again, the back row mm. at Cabo. I was standing there, and Brent got off a stage, walked to the perimeter, and came and stood right next to me, not on purpose, just randomly. Well, I was wow. sitting there listening to the next speaker, and I looked over. I'm like, "Who's this person in my space?" You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, "Get out my way." Yeah. Who's 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 crowding me over here? And I look over, and it's Brent Gove. I'm like, "Hey, Brent," and he's like, "Hey." I was like, my name's Levi. He's like, hey, Levi. I was like, I was like, we met once before. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, cool. And I was like, I said, we should be on stage at Build. And he goes, okay. He goes, uh, send me a video. Can you send me a video? And I was like, send you a video. I think I could send you a video. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he goes, yeah, he goes, just, he goes, keep it short. Tell me your results and a little bit of your story. Just send me a video and, and I'll, I'll check it out. I was like, cool. So that happened at Cabo. Well, I recorded that video. It was only about 10 minutes or so. And I told him about our results. And I told him about my story on the back end. I sent that to him. Well, there was an event in Dallas, a one-day real estate event called Billionaire's Mindset. We were supposed to speak there. We got invited to speak there. And then we got pulled um, last minute. And we got pulled last minute, but we still went. So I know that there is some behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, Mm. Uh, because... When you grow this fast, it's going to rub some people the wrong way.
1: Oh, hell yeah. That's how you know you're doing (laughs) something right.
0: (laughs) Uh, And so, you know, but I'm just like, hey, that's like I said. I know I'm doing something right. And if some people are concerned about it, then they're probably just threatened anyways, right? Of course. So uh, Brent Gove is not threatened by my success at all whatsoever. Oh, no. He's a man. Yeah, I love him. You're not threatened by our success. You don't feel like we're going to take anything away from your real estate business, you know? So, we got invited to speak there and then got pulled. And, but what I could have done is I could have said, this is a bunch of bullshit. You know, mm. this is not, you know, we're not going to that. Instead, I said, no problem. We're still going to go. We're still yeah. going to go. And because it was in Dallas, a one day event, we invited our whole team. We wanted our team to go because we want them to be involved. And yeah. I said, we're going to go anyways, you know, but only Travis and myself knew about, you know, getting pulled. So we didn't, you know, we didn't come yeah. in here and cry to the team and say, oh, yeah. kick dirt. And, sand, you know, right. we said, no, let's go. We're, let's we can Let's see what we can learn. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Brent Gove was speaking at that event. Mm. And he literally watched that video two days before he got there. So whenever I walked in and he's there in the event, I, his eyes lit up like a Christmas tree. And he was just like, Levi, he goes. I, that your, he's like your story's amazing, blew me away. He's like, oh my god! And then he when he spoke up there, he spoke for an hour and a half. I swear, it felt like for an hour he just talked about us, about oh, how amazing so we were, awesome. about how amazing we were. how he he'd been in real estate for twenty seven years, never heard of a story like this, and just went on and on and on. It's and amazing. he was like, he was like Levi, stand up. He's like, you better talk, to, and. To me, that was also a little redemption, right? Because I I was like, I knew we got pulled from there to speak, but then that was way better to have, you know, someone Someone like Brent go, yeah, Yeah. uh, talk about that. And so that was cool. Now, afterwards, Brent was like, Levi, it's not completely up to me. He said, there's a committee for build and, you know, we get 150 applications. We can only choose 40 people. He goes, everybody deserves to be there so I can't promise you anything. He said, but I got a pretty strong vote, you know, he goes, but, and he goes, I'm, I'm pulling for you. He goes, but, and I said, you know what, Brent, I said, I appreciate the opportunity anyways. From there we stayed in touch, you know, then, then I get a cell phone number and we're, you know, and then we start texting. And then next thing I know, Brent's just like asking me to come on zoom calls and do trainings with his team and, and everything starts, you know, and so he gets so, he's so excited and uh, so happy. And then from there, we go to shareholders. Um, sh- this uh, shareholders event. It's a conference, and I go there, and uh, somebody from there. I run into them in the bathroom. I don't know who they are, but they're like Levi. I heard you speak at one of on Brent had you on one of our Zoom calls, and I was like, cool. And he goes, can you come speak at our event in Tahoe? So so cool. I was like, yeah, okay. 17,000 square foot uh, uh, cabin overlooking Lake Tahoe. I was
1: absolutely, yeah,
0: you get an invite in the bathroom, uh, to, to go (laughs) speak there. I was like, sure. Well, guess (laughs) what? Brent Gove is speaking at that event. Wow. And so now Brent gets to see me speak, um, for real. And, and all of that is the series of events of showing up. And then about a week after that, I believe, or so Brent texts me and he's like, you made it, you know, he's like, They picked your story, so you're gonna be up there, and so um, and that was it. And uh, and then they're like, "You got to keep it secret." (laughs) I was like, Uh, "I can't tell anybody." Yeah, Yeah, I can't tell anybody. That was just their thing. They like to keep that stuff secret. But that was a year ago, you know. And this is what we talk about with our real estate team. You know, if I would have said that $500 ticket last year was too expensive, Mm -hmm. and I didn't go, none of that would have happened. Correct. None of that would happen. Zero. And so you can't put a monetary return, I believe, on these conferences and these opportunities. And just like with yourself coming in here. Hey, do you have time? Absolutely. I have time. Mm -hmm. You know, people ask me to be, can you do, I say yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Everything else is going to work around it because I don't know, but I know that if i can help you out you know provide right. for your show you're helping us out cuz right. we'll get content out of this as well right. plus now i i, I know uh, you know i the know underdog. how cool you are yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm like all right you know and um and that's it's cool yeah yeah and that's what it's, it's that's what it's about and I, I can i say you know so even though you know, downstairs, you told me, Hey, I appreciate you taking your time. I'm like, no, this is, yeah. you know, this is a great opportunity. I appreciate you, you know, for the invite. And so that's, that's the cool right. thing about it, but mm-hmm. I can't directly measure. I mean, my, my, I can tell you my hourly worth, right? but I'm not going to say this hour cost me that, you know, and I right. can't tell you what the return's going to be on it, but right. I just know that if I continue to show up and help people that the return will come back in one way or another.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, it's what you mentioned, it's all relationships at the end of the day. Right. And like those things lead to things that you will just never dream of. Yep. Never, ever, ever dream of. And it's just such a gift. But when you set your intention, that's when you go far. Yeah. And that's what I love. I just can't wait to see where you guys are next year, like a year from now, like you're just moving at such like light speeds like it, it's amazing to see the growth and like so what's planned for the next six months for you guys aside yeah, from the conferences I think conferences you asked that, I think you asked that,
0: that uh, 20 minutes ago <laughs> yeah yeah
1: no 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 well, I know you said conferences and all yeah, that yeah we, we, we
0: schedule all that and then we work everything around it I think for us it's just continued movement towards uh towards progress yeah you know uh, I love the book you know Simon Sinek wrote the infinite game yeah. And it really kind of put things in perspective. It's, it's you know, because I've always achieved goals, but I've never really felt like, okay, I'm going to sit back now. It's always like, okay, on to the next one. You know, we do things, we accomplish things. It's kind of like, keep all right, growing. let's, yeah, keep moving on to the next thing. So for us, it's a continual emotion yeah. and, uh, you know, staying uh, active and, and progressing and every single day. I mean, there's a lot, we got so much stuff we're working on, but the only way you can do that is just day by day. Right. And, you know, just taking steps towards the goal every single day, but there's different goals and the goals are always moving and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And we talked a little bit about this the other day is I don't, I don't really like the word failure. I think the only way you fail is by completely quitting and stopping. Mm -hmm. You know, we've done Mm -hmm. things that, that we just learn, you know, it may not be the right path for us at the time. And if we have to stop or readjust, we just learn something. And But I also believe it's better to make decisions in the position of power when things are good because if it doesn't work out or you need to adjust, it's easier to do that when things are going well because right. you're either going to make position, uh, decisions in the position of power or the position of fear, uh, yeah, or mm-hmm. desperation, right, when right. your back's up against the wall. And then when your back's up against the wall, you usually have less resources to work with and right. then also you run the risk of being desperate and making Survival mistakes, yeah. yeah, and so... You know, but also that's the time that you can come out and, you know, have the biggest success story. So I I see both sides of it. But ideally, it's like when we, we hired a, you know, a team, a real estate coach. Even when things were going well, instead of waiting till things got bad or we got stuck or we said we're just like, no, yeah. let's hire a coach now because we're growing a team.
1: Stay on track.
0: Yeah, we've run businesses before, but we hadn't run a real estate team. Mm-hmm. So we wanted somebody overlooking our shoulder to keep an eye on us to make sure that we don't step in the yeah. the, the potholes along the way. Let's let's stay smooth as best as possible. And he ran an 80 person real estate team, you know, he ran a mortgage company, he exited, sold, you know, sold, you know, so he's got the experience. And that was a good fit for us, uh, for someone to look over our shoulder. And so even though Mm -hmm. we didn't need it, or we could have said, oh, we don't need to take on that expense because right. they're not cheap. <laughs> right. Coaches no. good coaches are not cheap. No. We said this is a this is a necessary expense no. because um, you know we feel like it's gonna keep us out of out of trouble. So you know, this next six months is I'll say this, that we're working on a book. Hey, so, nice. Yeah, the book what we've been told is possibly January uh nice. time frame for that. So it's called passive prospecting, nice. and that's what we're building this whole concept on of the power of video, especially through YouTube, is passive prospecting. Mm-hmm. Going back to my, the original story of my motivation to not have to cold call and door knock and spend money on, on postcards, nothing wrong with that. Again, right. I know a lot of agents that have built very successful businesses out of it just wasn't for me, and I think we all love the idea of passive income. But passive income comes with a lot of work up front. Yes. Uh, Just like passive prospecting, you know, you have to build the content, you have to build the videos. But once you do that, they work for you Mm -hmm. 24-7, 365, and not even really 24-7. We talk about the concept of compounding time, and that's what video does for you. I mean, you know, for example, our channel has watched 1,514 hours in one day, 1,514 hours in one day. That's equivalent to 63 days. So... Who can compete? You can't have a team, you can't have an inside sales team that can compete with the return of hours from that time frame, you know? No. So that's the power. Uh, last in July, our channel was uh, watched 1.34 years in one month. In 18 months, it's been watched equivalent to 14.88 years. So we've gained in one and a half years, we've gained one and a half decades worth of prospecting that's insane. That's a compound effect. That's the compounding your time. And that is passive prospecting because once we created one video, it's now it prospecting for us 20, not just 24 seven multiples because 10 people can watch that one video in one hour. And if they all watch that video for one hour, that gives you 10 hours because you just reached 10 people over mm-hmm. an hour. So that's the compound effect calls, door knocking hand. That's all one-to-one you know, you can only and even if you have 10 salespeople, they can only call one person at one time. Exactly. But a video can be watched by 10 people inside of one hour and return you 10 hours in that one hour.
1: It's insane. It's so mind blowing. Yeah. It's so mind blowing. I just can't wait to see the growth and all that. I can't wait for that book release as well. It's going to be so exciting. I'll definitely yep. have to come back to come back to Dallas for that one. For we'll, sure. send, we'll send you
0: one. Yeah, for sure.
1: And speaking of the channel. Yeah. Got to let us know where to find you, my friend.
0: Well, the best place right now is PassiveProspecting.com. Yeah, uh, I would say go there, sign up for the uh, so you can be the first to know when the book comes out. We're uh, compiling that list. Of, it's not we're not gonna you know sell you. We're just gonna let you know that the book is released. And of course, mm-hmm. we want everybody's support to go out and buy the book when mm-hmm. it's released. We would love to uh, you know get a high velocity of sales on that. Uh, it was funny, you know, you learn these things as you go through the process never, you know, written a book, but we're working with a publisher on it. Yeah. And I was like, well, let's do pre-sales. And they said, well, pre-sales don't count towards actual sales when the book is released. So if you pre-sell 10,000 copies, uh, that doesn't count towards the velocity. If you want to make it on bestseller list, you know?
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. I
0: was like, okay, good, good to know. Because right? I'd be like, let's pre-sell it all day long. But no. And so they're like, well, and so, okay, let's, uh, let's collect the list. And that way we can let everybody know And hopefully within that first week, we can drive, you know, a lot of traffic because we I think we've got a pretty good audience. And I know we've got a lot of, you know, really great people that enjoy the content we put out there. So this Mm -hmm. will be a very consolidated and concise way. Plus, hopefully it'll be I don't know what the pricing will be, but, you know, let's say 20 bucks or 24 Mm -hmm. bucks, maybe it's full on. I mean, it's going to be legit. This isn't going to be like Amazon self-publishing type, you know, paperback. Yeah. We're, uh, we're, we're making it real. So that's a cool opportunity. So check us out, PassiveProspecting.com.
1: PassiveProspecting.com. Oh, my God. Levi, it's been an honor to have you here today. I absolutely loved hearing your story. I like just can't wait to see where you go from here on out. Like, oh, my God. Just honored to be part of your journey as well and to know you. you guys and like just watch what happens from here. Because you're only just scratching the surface, honestly. Yep. You really are. So thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate you. <laughs> So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. Underdogs, underdogs,
0: underdogs. All we know is all the time like some underdogs. underdogs.